you would please turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 18 is our study. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 18. If you look on the back of your bulletin, you'll see an outline there. We are kind of getting our way through point six, and I believe this is my 17th message. We're making progress. Three, six through 18, let's pray and then read the word of the Lord and pick it up from there. Father, we come this time to look at Jesus, to look long into his face. Father, to see the glory of our God and creator. Help us, Lord, to have ears to hear. Help us, Lord, to have eyes to see. Father, may your spirit this day stir us in such a way that we stand in the wonder of Christ, the glory of God. Father, please, this day, let them hear you. Let your glory shine forth in Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Beginning of verse 6. Who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death and letters engraved on stones came with glory, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory. For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such a hope, We use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened, and for to this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lays over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the spirit. The Apostle Paul is giving us some information here in a contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. All right, now I want to try to help you with this because you and I struggle with covenant. All right, we do not get it. Okay, but when I look at covenant, I look at a promise. It's it's the basic way that I can understand it. But see, that even falls short in our society today. In our society today, in the United States, when a person gets married, they enter into a covenant. All right. And if you listen to wedding vows, they're basically saying, I promise to love and to cherish and da 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 and all the other things that no one ever remembers that they said. Okay. But it is entering into a covenant, and the covenant is in force until death. Okay? The old covenant was in force until death. Christ's death. Then the new covenant. Remember when you, you, you partake of the Lord's table? 1 Corinthians 11. It says, this is the covenant that is in my blood. All right. So when I look at the new covenant, I look at Christ's promise. When I look at the old covenant, I look at Christ's promise. These were promises. All right. So and and it's hard in our day, this day and age, when you look at the divorce and you look at litigation going on over contracts and all the rest of it. um, You know what? uh, My uh, 
my uncle and grandpa used to trade horses. Okay, um, they had these palominos, and and everybody wanted these palominos. All right, and 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 they they made, they made a living at this. And I mean, this was back before you had big show barns and all the rest of it. They made a killing at this. And all of his deals were done with a handshake and a yes. Okay, but the thing that I always noticed about my uncle and my grandpa was their yes was a yes, their no was a no. Today, you don't even know if you got a written signature. So it's hard for you and I to start saying, well, these are covenants. These are promises. Well, how good are they? Well, God's making them. And if you look at the old covenant and the new covenant, you know what's amazing about both of them? They're not dependent on you. They are God's promises. That's the difference. And one of the things that I have seen happen in the body of Christ is we're clueless. We're absolutely clueless about it. Okay, and I'll show you why. How many in the body of Christ? Hey, let me give you a, a personal illustration. This church, Castle Rock Baptist Church, okay, do you know it's the only church that I ever joined in my entire life? 1983. Only church. I wasn't raised in the church. I, you know, I, I went to churches because I went to funerals and weddings. But, but I knew nothing about church. I, I, although I've run into some grouchy people who went to church. But other than that, I, I didn't have any idea. Now, I always believed in God. As long as I can remember, I always believed in God. All right, I just looked around and said, yeah, right. You're telling me this is all random chance? It was an accident, a big explosion, and here we all stand. Okay, all right. Um, but I, I want you to understand that because my life in the body of Christ, now in this body of Christ, I how many people have I seen working their best to go to hell in the name of Jesus? Hard at it. Hard at it. They're doing it by ritual, by system, by method, by ceremony. Listen, that's old covenant. That's old covenant. And it has no salvation to it. Our Christian message is Jesus Christ died for the forgiveness of sin for all who would believe. That is what we call the good news. The problem is we very seldom express to the people the bad news. You will never appreciate the good news. An individual can't comprehend the good news if they don't know the despair of the bad news. Old covenant. Old covenant. You know, I can bust the law down into two. I can bust the law down into one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, listen, if you do that one, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, but you got to do that one. Oh, by the way, did I tell you, if you don't do that, you go to hell? Oh, did I tell you that if you miss that one time, you go to hell? Bummer. <laughs> I mean, I don't care who you are. All right? God promised in the works of Jesus Christ to forgive sin to all who believe in the Lord. I was reading an article this week that there's a bunch of churches who have decided that they will open their buildings up to Muslims to pray. And they're doing it because it's charity. Okay. And, and I watched a, a, a newscaster and I thought it was kind of fascinating because it's obvious his theology is better than the pastor's. Is that are you here for charity or are you here for the good news? Giving a Muslim a place to pray is not the mission of the church. I couldn't believe it. I about fell over. And everybody's talking about, well, that is so wonderful. Really? And then it dawned on me. Well, duh. Yeah. 
Everywhere I look. Yeah, that makes sense. Because 90%, now think about this, 90%, I got a poll, and I hate polls, but they keep sending them to me. 90% of Christians believe that God of the Bible is the same as Allah. Really? You know what's funny about that? The Muslims don't. <laughs> they don't. Not only that, they'll kill you if you try to bring the two together. I, and I'm not trying to start anything. I'm just telling you the condition of the church is we're going to be charitable. Really? Well, let me tell you something. You can't outgive the federal government. All right? And yet you and I have the one thing every man, woman, and child who's ever walked this planet or who will ever walk this planet needs more desperately than anything that the world will ever offer. That is the new covenant and the old covenant. And we are contrasting these. And the Apostle Paul is saying, don't you get it? Let me show you something. Um, I've touched on this in the past, but I want to hit it again because I want you to think about are we charitable? Or do we have a message? And you know what? If I hear another person tell me, well, it is through my charity I get the privilege of giving the message, then you're a fool. And I say that as lovingly as I can. I am not called. A Christian is not called to say, try to make these people comfortable before you give them the message. Peter walked out after the Holy Spirit came upon him at Pentecost. He went into the temple in front of the Sanhedrin and said, You murdered Messiah. Well, that ought to win, friends. Why? That text in 2 Corinthians says, It is with boldness we preach. Why? Because we have the veil removed. Chapter 3 of Philippians Paul, for we are the true circumcision, verse 3, who worship in spirit of God and the glory of Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Then in verse 4, this is his testimony. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in flesh, I far more. He says, I don't care how much confidence you think you do. I got more. I don't care how much flesh you think you've done. I've got more. You can't beat me when it comes to works. That's what he's saying. Look what he says. Circumcised the eighth day. Okay. When it comes to ritual, I started my ritual work in the eighth day. Next, what he says. Nation of Israel. I am of the race of God's people. Of the tribe of Benjamin. I have an inheritance of God's people. A Hebrew of Hebrews. When it comes to tradition, I am only a Hebrew of Hebrews. To the law of Pharisee. That means, do you realize that the writing of this letter, there's only about 6,000 Pharisees on the planet Earth? A very close sect. Very, very legalistic, very, very steered to the word of God, to the jot and the tittle. And you want to compare with me? Zeal? Compare your zeal to mine. When it came to the old covenant, I was a persecutor of those of the new covenant. As righteousness? Found in the law? What? Blameless. Now, understand what Paul's saying. My standard of righteousness, I was, I was blameless. Well, think about it. I started my rituals on the eighth day. I was a Pharisee. When it comes to doing the works of the old covenant, you can't beat me. But, Whatever things were gained to me, those things I count as loss for what? The sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things lost in the view of the surpassing knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffer the loss of all things and count them, but, and it literally means human excrement. Rubbish. 
so that I may gain Christ. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay? I'm going to ask every one of you. You don't have to stand up and answer or raise your hand anything like that. You see that in the church? I count it all lost to gain Christ. See, the Apostle Paul had the veil removed. I've been in this community for a long time. And um, I have seen a lot of things come flying through here in the name of, I don't know, somebody. Okay. And and I've confronted them. When they come strolling through, uh, if it comes aware to me, I will confront it. I'm not going to let them off the hook. Uh, I meet with pastors here in the community uh, every Thursday, and they'll go off on some tangents, and I just smile at them. I say, exactly where is that in the Bible? And they know what I'm saying. They know exactly what I'm saying. All right? But the one that has caused me the greatest heartache and has gotten me in the most trouble deals with this covenant. It is when I say, you don't look saved. How can you say that? You don't know my heart. You're right, I don't. I don't. But I do know this. A person who has turned to the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation, that veil is removed. And there's an eagerness in them for the things of Christ that no man can slow down and no man can stop. And if that ain't you this day, ask yourself a question. Hard-hearted or veil? Or both? Because see, if I have the veil on it, it's easy to have a hard heart. Is our mission works of charity? Or is it our message? And you know what? I listen to the churches here in our community and and in my travels, and many don't have a message. They're not offering anything. The old covenant crushed me to the point that I understood I have no degree to do anything to rescue myself or anyone else. It is impossible for me. Listen, I just read to you the testimony of the Apostle Paul. This was not a biblically ignorant man. And yet when Christ was before him, he didn't care. He would have been in Jerusalem if he was a Pharisee at the murder of Jesus. He was in hearty agreement with the stoning of Stephen. But, and this is not a biblically stupid man. It isn't like he never read his Bible. And yet the veil was on him. If you would have watched his life, you would have said, this is tremendous man of God. Unless you don't know the new covenant. Christ has paid the penalty. Past, present, future. His death was a substitute. It satisfied the wrath of God. The penalty is paid. This is the new covenant. The new covenant that is in his blood. Forgiveness to all who believe. And it's satisfied and it is just. In the Civil War, at the early onset of the Civil War, if you got drafted, which if you were young, you were going to get drafted, um, you could, if you had money, pay it to a family and send somebody in your place, a substitute. You didn't have to go. You could send this other uh, rent a soldier. Okay, and he would serve out your military service. Jesus took your place. Eli, Eli, Luma Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He has endured one thing that you and I, who truly know Jesus Christ, can never endure separation from God. I can never be separated from God. 
There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am convinced that nothing in creation can separate me from the love of God. See, I want you to understand, the old covenant had glory. Tremendous glory, if you think about it. It's God's revealing. God's saying, this is my righteousness. That's what the old covenant is. But the new covenant is so far superior that Paul even makes the statement, it has no glory because of the superiority of the new. The old covenant was promised too. Remember? It's a ministry of death. It is a ministry of condemnation. You know what that is? That's a promise. I don't like that promise. Well, you better be checking out the new covenant. See, the old covenant, no one can obey. The new covenant is the promise of life. And you don't have to obey. You just bow. Here I am. The old covenant, break it, you die. And you know what? There are many in the body of Christ this very day who are trying. They're trying. And here's what they do. The same has been through the course of man. I will try to keep as much of the moral law as I can. And what I can't keep of the moral law, I'll throw some ceremonies and rituals on the side. And hallelujah. Because God's going to look at me and he's going to say, bless his little heart. He tried. Well, if God accepts you on that premise, then he's not a just God. And if he's not a just God, you don't want to be messing with him anyway. When I think about covenant, I think about last will and testament. Okay, what is that? It is promises to the heirs. At my death, what will happen with both of my possessions? (laughs) Okay, I don't want to get it too complicated. All right, but that's what it's about. All right, at Christ's death, guess what? The promise was made. All right. To whom? Christ's heirs. We are joint heirs with Christ. Paul says, when I saw the law of God, I died. There becomes despair. Go read the Psalm 99 and you'll see what it says. Because the despair of the law causes me to run to God. And beg for forgiveness and mercy. Okay. We under that are ministers of the new covenant. Listen, if you're saved today, you are a minister of the new covenant. All right. You are a servant of the new covenant. All right. We should reject all the works. All the rituals, the morality, the ceremonies, the true servant, the true, those who have turned to Christ serve the new covenant, period. The gospel. We have a mediator, one mediator, Hebrews 12, 24, the person of Jesus Christ. God provides mediation for everyone who believes for every circumstance for their time here on this planet. And it's ongoing. See, many can't see this today in the church. They don't see it. It's a system. It's a method. It's a ritual. It's a ceremony. This is how we do it. That's why I've been moving the songs all around. Why? I don't want you to get into rituals. In a ritual. One of these times we ain't going to sing a word. Why? We are here for the focus of Christ and Christ alone. I see this as I see it in the Corinthian church. I see it today. And there are, we need to reject it. We need to reject it. I get how many phone calls a week? Do you have contemporary or traditional 
or blended worship. Really? Three chapters in the Bible deal with creation. Okay? Three chapters deal with creation. It's a pretty intense thought if you think about it. Three chapters. Forty-three chapters deal with God's acceptable worship. So, do you have traditional or contemporary? That's the height of arrogance. That's the height of arrogance. I'm going to tell God how I'm going to worship? Really? Perhaps you need to get the veil off. They wouldn't even understand what you said. I've said it to pastors. What do you mean the veil? Never mind. We are ministers. We are servants of one covenant. The new covenant. We preach the gospel. And you know what? Sometimes we need to use words. The true preacher brings forth nothing but New Testament truth. New covenant truth. That's it. Why? Because the superiority of the glory of the new covenant. Paul even says here, it abounds in glory. If the old, which was the ministry of condemnation, had such glory, how much more will this new one? It abounds in glory. So much I see and hear today is nothing more than behavior modification and it has no power of the Spirit. That's it. I, I hear people tell me, said, well, you know, we, we got this really good song and it really primed the pump to worship. Really? No. I had a pastor one time come and said, he said, could you take a Sunday off from your church and, and, and come and teach my people about the power of the word and try to get them to start bringing their Bibles to church? And I just smiled at him and said, get them saved. You know, just because you're in a building that calls itself a church does not make you a Christian. That's like standing in a garage makes you a car. All right. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. When I look at this outline and I think that the new covenant in its glory. Now, I can just look at this outline. If I look at these eight points, I can say the old covenant is death. The old covenant does not produce righteousness. The old covenant was temporary. The old covenant cannot give you hope. The old covenant is cloudy. It is hidden. It is veiled. The old covenant is not Christ-centered. The old covenant is not spirit-energized. And the old covenant is not transforming. It is condemning. When I go back into the new covenant now, and I say, the new covenant gives me life. And John says he gives it to me abundantly. The new covenant produces righteousness. My righteousness, when God looks at Terry, my righteousness only looks like Christ. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And I watch people say, well, I need this. I need more grace. I'd like to have a healing. I hope my tests are okay. I need a job. I need a wife. I Dude, wake up. You have Christ. You have no need of anything else. Well, but if I could get my kids to do this, or if I could get my... No! My goodness! The old one was veiled. I remember when John the Baptist, I thought, you know, what if I'd have been standing there when John the Baptist was in the Jordan River, Jesus come walking down the hill, getting ready to be baptized, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God! It takes away the sins of man. You'd have to look at John and say, he's been in the sun too long. That is not a sheep. Right? Ain't that what you'd have said? Poor John. He's drinking the water. 4.6 says, the light has been turned on. Why? We have been made adequate by who? By God. Where is my salvation? My salvation is in the person of Christ. There is no system. There is no method. There, you know what? I watch people who run around thinking somehow they're going to figure it out. 
I know pastors. I have a friend of mine who was going to preach to the book of Hebrews, and he was just really struggling with it. And we were going back and forth with emails and telephone calls and all the rest of it. And, man, I just can't get this and all the rest of it. And we went on. This went on for a couple of months. And he finally it dawned on me. He thought that he was going to find something in the book of Hebrews that nobody else had found. Oh, I got news for you. We're 2,000 years out. That thing has been exhausted. There's nothing new. It's all in there. It ain't changing. There isn't something hidden. And the whole book of Hebrews is doing what? Saying that the old covenant is obsolete. We now have Christ. That is salvation. God turns the lights on. God says here, he removes the veil. We are not like Moses. Now think about that. That's the most holy man in all of Judaism. And we're not like Moses. Who used to put a veil over his head. We're not like him. Now I want you to think about this. Because I'm going back to Christ centered. Because the thing that I see in the church today. Is not. The new covenant looks right into the face of Jesus and sees only the glory of God. You had better ponder that. The new covenant looks right into the face of Jesus and sees nothing but the glory of God. That's all. That's all. Moses could not look on the glory of God. He had to be stuck in the cleft of a rock. And as God walked past him, he seen the passing by. Yet you and I under the new covenant see the glory. The veil is off. We are into the presence of God. We are into his glory and we are there now. It is not a process. The gospel is not hidden. I don't struggle to understand the significance. I know the significance. The face of Christ shows the glory of God and I have been saved. Really? I'm adamant about this. I'm extraordinarily adamant about this. In John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh and it dwelt among us and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Brothers and sisters, that right there should just rock your universe. I do not know how I can read that and say, well, I'm having a bad day. Really? Bad day, huh? Or did you go stick your head under the veil again? (laughs) What's the matter with you? We see his glory. We see his grace and mercy. 32.32 of Exodus says, when he walks by, you'll see my glory. And it was grace and mercy. We see his glory, grace and truth. The glory of God. Now, listen, I want you to think about this. The glory of God is manifested in his attributes. Okay. His attributes is the actions of his nature, his character. Okay. So his glory is manifested by the fact that he is graceful, gracious. He is truth. He is merciful. But you know what? He is wrathful. He is righteous. He is judging. And you know what is amazing about all that? They're all manifested in the person of Christ. So when I look into the face of Christ, guess what? I see the glory of God. The disciples seen his grace and truth. The attributes of God manifest in the life of Christ. And you know what is cool? (laughs) 
We see because the veil's been removed. We didn't do it. Who did it? Christ. Christ removed the veil. The law broke our hard hearts. And then you look here in verse 16, it says, whenever a person turns to the Lord, okay, you go look through the New Testament, you'll find that that's salvation. Look into the face of Christ Jesus, you see the glory of God. What's he referring to? The contrast here is that when Moses was up on the mountain, whose glory, whose presence was he in? God. And he'd come back and he would reflect it, right? Now that the veil has been removed, we do what? We shine forth the glory because we behold the person of Christ. Go look at your churches today, brothers and sisters, and now you will not see the glory of Christ. It is man-centered. And a man has a right relationship with Christ. He is beholding the glory of God and he will affect all the people he gets near. I don't have to think we have classes on evangelism. What? How do you have to have a class on evangelism? Oh, perhaps you haven't looked at the face of Christ. Remember what Thomas said? Hanging out with Jesus for three years and he says, show us the father. Right? Anyone there? Show us the father. Jesus said, if you have seen the son, you have seen the father. Why? The glory is, it's not even interchangeable. It's the same. Now, I want you to think about something, people. If you're saved today, do you understand what your assets are? You are only joint heirs of creation. That's all. That ought to freak you out. Either you guys all know this, and you're going, oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> or you're like, I don't know what's up this for. Anyway. How does God act? How does God react? Look at Jesus. He is the glory of God. The glory of God manifests in human flesh. And you know what? You'll never see it unless the Lord turns the light on. Unless inside the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding and revelation is engaged. Look at verse 18. Just the first half of 18 is what we're trying to get to. Look what it says. I want you to read that. Read that. Read that. But we all. Stop right there. He's contrasting the old covenant to the new covenant. The glory of the old covenant to the abounding glory of the new covenant. Now, I want you to think about that. He says, we all. That is the contrast with we all. No, versus Moses. Moses saw the glory of God. Now, in the new covenant, didn't know that the Bible was written in Georgia, did you? <laughs> we all, which is different than wins. There was one person. Now, how many view the glory of God in the face of Christ? All who have turned to the Lord. That's amazing to me. And it says, beholding as in a mirror. What? Glory of the Lord. Why hang in the shadows? Why hang in the mysteries, the rituals, the ceremonies, the pictures? Why not grab both hands the real? The old covenant was just one. The new covenant is all who turn to Christ. You know what? I like that. It doesn't say the pastor or the elder or the deacon or the seminary student, it says anyone who has turned to Christ. I don't need to go to a religious service that does ceremony, rituals, and systems. 
I want a service that brings forth the person of Christ so I can look into his face and I can see the glory of God. I shared with you guys a couple of times when I was in uh, England preaching. They have these barrel things that they hang up. <laughs> oh, she would never let that fly here. But anyway, they got these barrel things that you get in wooden barrels and you get in there and you just got a place that you can put your Bible as long as you ain't got a big Bible. And then I, it's about right here. All right. And. When you're in that, they basically can see you from about this much. See this head sticking out of this barrel. But right on the corner of this thing, it's round. On the corner of this thing, I looked down, laid my Bible down there. I was getting ready to preach. And I looked down and it said, sir, we would see Christ. And I thought, I'll get down now. (laughs) Get me out of the barrel. Why? I don't want to hear you. I don't want to see you. I don't care whether you're wearing a robe. I don't care whether you're wearing a thousand dollar suit. I don't care about that. Give me Christ of scripture. I don't want to hear about relationships. Listen, if I got my relationship with Christ right and I'm seeing the glory of God, your relationship with your spouse is going to be perfect. I don't care what it is. Your relationship with your children, your co-workers. I don't care what it is. You're looking at the person of Christ. You are looking into the glory of God. Really, what problem do you have? But you go to churches today and they have all of these. I call them schemes. Forgive me. But that's what I call them. Because it really isn't doing anything. You know, we all walk out a big smile on our face. Woohoo! There's times we should never walk out of here with a smile on our face. We should walk out of here dragging our, you know what? Because poor wretched man that I am, I have been saved by the person of Christ. It is Christ-centered. The true minister of the new covenant has a new covenant message, and it is the person of Christ. It's Christ-centered. It is not man-centered. It is not man-centered. I want to go someplace and I want to hear that I see the glory of God in the face of Christ. Somebody I was reading, he called it, he says, too many churches have nothing but, quote unquote, holy hardware. (laughs) And I thought, that's cute. Holy hardware. System, methods, routines, rituals. Those that are truly saved, those who have turned to Christ should want to see the face of Christ. Period. I don't want pictures. I want symbols. I don't want mysteries. I want reality. The veil is off. We can look at the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Looking as in a mirror, he says. Okay, when I thought first read that, there's a couple of things I want you to think about when I'm about done here, so don't get antsy. Okay, when I look into a mirror, a mirror is something that you stand way off and look at. Okay, a mirror is intimate. It's up close. All right? Too many, I read some other guys on this, and too many people think the idea is the mirror. It ain't. It ain't the mirror. The mirror has an intimacy to it, and there's a clarity to it. Look, I get up close to it. And then I say, it looks better from far away. No. Um, You can, you can't bring something that close. It's, you bring it up to you. When I'm looking into the face of Jesus, do I realize that I am looking up close? Now, the mirror of the writing of this letter would have been made out of metal. They didn't have glass or reflective glass or anything like that. It had been metal. And depending on how much money you spent on it, it would be a piece of brass, perhaps copper. And what you do is you smooth it out so you take all of the blemishes out of it, as many as you can get out of it, and then you buff it. Okay, now when you see it, okay, that mirror is, it's not like looking in a mirror at your house or at my house, all right? You would see it and you would be able to say, well, that person's got blue eyes and is male or female or complexion and da da da. You'd be able to see some of it. But depending on how much of the iniquities is taken out of that metal and how much it is buffed, is going to be how great that reflection is, okay? Because I want to make this clear. But you can see the glory of God in the face of Christ if you look right at it. Our view, our vision of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ is crystal clear in the new covenant. 
Okay, now, when I look at that, in that picture, or in that mirror, that piece of metal, okay, it's a little less than perfect. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be. Really? But we know what it is. We are looking into a mirror seeing what? The glory of the Lord. Now, wait a minute. Is he standing behind me? No. You and I behold in a mirror. Now, we don't know yet what it is that we will be when we appear. Remember in, uh, when we were studying 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13? Okay. We know in part, but when the completeness comes, we will know as we are known. Not in there give you a headache. I don't care what you say. I'm going to know as God knows me. <laughs> the perfect is yet to come. The perfect is yet to come. Do you understand that? There's coming a time to you, you will be absent from sin. You ever thought about that? Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be absent from sin. <laughs> How does that? I don't know. Everything I've ever known has got some kind of sin messing with it. These metal mirrors with their slight imperfections, and yet they can still see the glory of God in the face of Christ. Matthew chapter 17, we went up on the, the holy mount, and Jesus pulled back his humanity and freaked them guys out. All right? And showed his glory. Peter even wrote about it in 2 Peter. He says, we saw his glory on the holy mount. Why? He is the glory of God. He is the glory of God unveiled. He is the glory of God given to the eyes of faith. Unbelievers didn't see it. They still don't this day. The Romans didn't see it. They crucified him. The religious experts didn't see it. They wanted him crucified. Those who turn to Christ, they see the glory of God in the person of Christ. They look him in the face. It is intimate. It is up close. And they go, whoa. Or wow. Remember Paul? Remember Paul, his testimony? Circumcised the eighth day, Hebrew of Hebrews. Zeal, I persecuted the church. A Pharisee. And he's on the Damascus road. The veil is removed and the boy is blinded. But he has stepped out of the spiritual blindness into the new covenant. Whoa! Why would anybody want to worship in symbols, ceremonies, rituals? Let's all sit around and sing Kumbaya. You know, we'll let the Muslims use our place for prayer. Really? No. No. I tell you what, Muslims, I'll let you use my place to prayer. As soon as you bow your knee to my king. And then you'll be praying to somebody who can listen and do something about what you're saying. I don't understand how many in the church today do not know Christ. They have never looked into his face to see the glory of God. How many? Many are on the broad path. Few find the find the narrow there are people filling the churches today who are just as automatic as the day the sunrise in the east. And you know what? They've never looked at the face of Christ to see the glory of God. And they're still under a veil and they have hard hearts believing that I'm keeping the bulk of the moral stuff and I'll add ritual to it. And God will say he tried hard enough. She tried hard enough. They'll let me in. I have no need for all the stuff that the church is promoting right now. All I need is to look in the face of Christ. I do that through his word. The word became flesh. Same thing. Same thing. And you know what? And I've had people tell me, well, Terry, that's old fashioned. That's the old way. You know what I say? Amen. Amen. That's the way I'm going to do it. That's why I'm going to do it.
Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for my brother Paul and what he means to me. And uh, Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters this day looked into the face of Christ. And Father, your glory became just even a little bit more. We understand your mercy. We understand your grace. But Father, let us feast on truth. Let us rest there. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the amazing things you have done in each of our lives. And Father, let us with an anticipation look forward to what you will do. Lord, this new covenant is still mind-boggling to me. I feel so feeble trying to express it. So Father, I beg your spirit to teach my brothers and my sisters that they may rest in the assurances of the promises spoken from heaven sealed in the blood of Christ, confirmed in the person of your Spirit. Help us, Jesus. Help us. In Christ's name. Amen.